You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Welcome uh, to City Church of Long Beach. Uh, we are a radically welcoming community on a journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it is so wonderful to see all your lovely faces out there. Oh, I'm sorry, people in Zoom, you may be seated as well. <laughs> unless, unless you want to stand, that's fine too. That's okay. All right. So, uh, but welcome Zoom friends as well. Uh, we love you guys and we hope you are doing well. Um, we are so happy you are here with us this morning and joining us. It is just a great, great Sunday. Uh, one of the things we love to do here at City Church is we love to pray for the kiddos here uh, before we send them off. And so we want to welcome up our friend Raylene Pacheco to join us. Come on up, Raylene. Yay. Yes, yes, yes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and for all these children around us. Lord, I pray that you help each and every child to always know and remember that they are loved and worthy of love. Lord, I ask that you guide and protect them and guide all of us parents, adults, and guardians in their lives to teach in the ways that they need so that they will grow and flourish as you brought them here to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Raylene. If you're a kiddo, you can come and uh, with our fearless leaders, I think it's Emma and Wendy and other folks, you can go with these guys and have some fun. Well, you don't have to listen to me, which is great for you. Uh, I'm Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors of City Church of Long Beach. Welcome to City Church. I have not met all of you, but I'm really glad that you're here. Um, and uh, it's just a uh, it's a gift to have so many folks show up, uh, both here and on Zoom, and uh, it's a gift to have all these kids. It's amazing, isn't it? It's just really great. So we are in a sermon series right now where we are following this, this theme of seeking, recognizing that we don't have all the answers, and so we need to ask questions. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about seeking better questions because um sometimes you know they they say they're they're no dumb questions but but they're actually wrong <laughs> um and we're gonna see a bunch of those in the passage today i mean people just ask really dumb things uh yeah and so so we're gonna we're gonna need really to learn learn a little bit today and in particular today, we're going to be talking about uh, disability theology. So we're looking at this passage in John chapter 9, where Jesus is interacting with a man who was born blind. And the disciples ask hurtful questions. Um, the religious leaders say hurtful things. The parents say hurtful things. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things going on in this passage. Uh, and we're going to try to unpack a little bit of that today. And um, I don't know. So my my other co my co pastor Brenna Rubio, she's home uh, sick today, so she's not here. Um, and I am no expert in this area at all. And so I realized, you know, putting together today's kind of service that it would be better not to hear so much from me, because I'll probably say things that are not helpful or that are actually hurtful. 
Um, because I'm, I'm on the steep part of the learning curve, right? And I think so many of us are. Uh, yesterday we had a, a vision time where about 35 folks from City Church got together to think about where are we going in the next 10 years? Because we just, uh, for those who are new, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary is miraculous that we made it that long but we did and so we're trying to figure out what's next and one person pointed out there was a there was a subgroup working on you know we were working on stuff like sundays and groups and outreach and there was a group thinking specifically about diversity equity and inclusion and what does that look like for us and they pointed out at the end like we talked very little i mean, i don't even know if we talked at all about people with disabilities like it's an area as a church we have not excelled at. We don't think a lot about, and we have so much to learn and grow in. And so this passage is a perfect setup for us today. And we wanna lean into it saying, okay, God, what, teach us, grow us, change us, help us actually follow Jesus and not just be kind of the consumers who think we have the answers. So I am very much on this learning journey, and uh, there many of us are. There's some here who actually have a lot of experience, and so we're going to lean into that a little bit. Uh, we're going to lean into some authors um, that we hope will be will be helpful. So, in light of that, um, I'm going to invite up my friend Amanda Kenny. Amanda, why don't you why don't you welcome Amanda? She comes up. Um, and Amanda is going to do some reading for us um, out of a book uh, called My Body Is Not a Prayer Request, which is, why don't you come sit over here on this side. Um, and so she's gonna be reading from that and from a, a couple of other authors. Um, and since we're gonna read a little bit more, I thought she would just sit up here and hang out with us. So, oh, this is your microphone. And why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself. How, how long have you been around City Church, Amanda? Since 2019. Yeah, 2019. Okay, so for a few years. Yeah. Um, and do you remember why did you come? Because it was radically welcoming and inclusive. And oh, okay. okay. we were looking for a space and we were, I was moving down to Long Beach from Pasadena and John and I were dating. And yeah, we were looking at different churches and found this and just stuck for some reason. Just stuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and tell us, as we think about disability theology, is that a piece of your story or something that's important to you? Or maybe just share a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm no expert, like you said yourself. I am involved with the disability community through my brother who has Down syndrome. He's 27. And yeah, I think, you know, I had a lot of ideas of where my journey would take me and I just kept finding myself working in the disability community and currently support adults with developmental disabilities with life skills and the hope of employment in the future or currently supporting them with employment. So you actually do have a lot of experience. <laughs> <laughs> say what you want to say, fine, fine. but here I'm going to move this so they can see you better. Um, okay, great. There you go. Um, all right. So why don't you start us off with uh, just a definition and then we'll we'll go from there and you know amy kenny and i have no relation oh. so so <laughs> sure. this is amanda kenny yeah. and we're reading from amy kenny but there's no they're, yeah. they're actually not there isn't siblings. amy kenny in my family but no awesome okay i found it so we're defining ableism 
Ableism is a system that places value on people's bodies and minds based on the societally constructed ideas of normal, normalcy, intelligence, excellence, and productivity. It claims that some bodies are better than others. It values people only for what they produce. Amy Kenny. All right, so ableism, right? <laughs> Saying, hey, being able-bodied is what's normal. It's, it's better than, and it's the standard by which we define people as opposed to being made in the image of God. Okay, and <clears throat> you wanna unpack a little bit how ableism works in our world? The way that ableism works so brilliantly is, it, is to make itself invisible. It is the air we breathe, the water we swim in, the culture we all consume. It becomes automatic and uninterrogated. So we don't even realize we are worshiping idols of success and self-sufficiency rather than the living God. Ableist ideas are about some bodies bearing more of God's image than others linger like an app. Oh, sorry. Ableist ideas about some bodies bearing more of God's image than others linger like an app in the background. We don't even notice that we are giving energy to sustaining their existence. This deceives us into thinking ableism is natural and therefore unavoidable. Perhaps we are content with deceiving ourselves because if we admitted the reality of ableism, then we'd have to do something about it. Amy Kenny. So it operates in the background like an app on your phone. We don't notice it. We just assume that this is the way things are. Some bodies bear God's image better than others. It's a structure. And we, we've had lots of conversations around city church, um, like around heteronormativity, the idea of being a heterosexual, being normal and good and being anything besides straight as being bad and wrong. And how this is an assumption that, that so many people bring, and so many particularly Christians, and that God sees us differently. God sees us made in the image of Christ. And again, that these assumptions are structures that work in the background, like, like racism. Right, white supremacy, this idea that some of our bodies are better than other bodies, the, the standard of beauty. And, and when you look at the actual statistics in our world, you realize that we treat people, our systems of employment, who gets paid more, who gets arrested more, um, who suffers more violence, so many of these things so many of these things are based on these invisible systems that are already running in the background. And, and that uh, she said that we don't interrogate them. We don't ask those questions. And when we think about ableism, it's the same sort of thing. People like me, we don't ask the question like, like last year at the beach, we had, we're having a sunrise service again this year, 6 a.m. on the beach. We didn't think, I didn't think, like, oh, how are folks who need wheelchair access going to get there? We didn't put it on any, any of our information. Like, oh, this service is not wheelchair accessible, but, but our regular 1030 service is. Like, we didn't even think to communicate. Because the assumption, right, is, well, everyone is like me. This is, this is what's going on. 
And this is, this is what's considered normal as opposed to the foundational belief that we're all made in the image of God. Uh, and it's so much easier not to think about it because if we did think about it, then we might actually have to do something about it. We might have to change some things. Um, so, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, so that's kind of a setup to the conversation. And now we're now enter the scene, John chapter nine, um, where uh, Jesus encounters a man who's been born blind. And it's a full on chapter conversation. We're just gonna read the first seven verses. Our friend Sam Davila is gonna read. So if you'd welcome Sam up. And we stand in honor of God and God's word. So if you're in Zoom, you can stand on your bed if you want, but you don't have to. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Thanks. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Like I think about this idea, I mean, it just doesn't occur to me, this idea of, oh, let's all stand up. Well, maybe not. That doesn't work for all of us. Like, how, I, don't know, I don't know how to say that. I, again, I mean, this is like real-time learning, okay? Like, this is my journey. Let's, let's sort this stuff out. Um, Whew. Okay. <laughs> Steep learning curve for Bill and for, for us as a church. So, um, so as we think about this passage, so many times teaching on this passage, it's all about the healing. And we think so many times in the church, healing is a physical thing. You boom, one and done. That's actually not how Jesus primarily operates. Jesus' ministry is not all about a physical cure, but about holistic healing. Amy Henny. Do you hear the distinction? It's not necessarily about physical cure. It's about holistic healing. You think about the woman who uh, had been bleeding for 12 years, and she, she gets the healing. She touches the hem of Jesus' cloak, and she sneaks off through the crowd. But Jesus is like, no. That's not what we're after here, not just physical healing. We're looking for wholeness. So he calls her out. He shows her faith. He, he blesses her. And so with, with this passage, we want to look at the difference between curing and healing. Curing being a physical one-time often deal, and healing is this holistic journey of actually becoming who God designed us to be. Curing is a physical process. It's individual, usually fairly rapid, and concentrates on eliminating disease. Healing is a social cult cultural process. It focuses on restoring interpersonal, social, and spiritual dimensions. It's lengthy and ongoing because it's a process of becoming whole. 
The difference might be best understood in trauma cases. If a soldier is shot, and the bullet wounds can be sewn up and an infection from any lingering sharp shrapnel can be treated with antibiotics. That's curing. It resets the body to its physical state before the trauma occurred. But true healing might not occur until much later when the soldier has processed the event and waded through the emotional labor of the aftermath. Healing is nonlinear. It takes time. Amy Kenny. Right, so curing is quick, usually uh, measurable. Healing, nonlinear, right? So the soldier gets shot. You can heal the wound, but the trauma can be years in the process. And it's this picture, what does is, what is healing look like for, for Jesus here? Yes, he heals the man. That was the passage that we read, the, the first seven verses, right? He, he does a strange thing with mud and eyes and spit. And it's like, ooh, wow, you know? Um, but what you see is that's the first seven verses. And it's, I mean, it's a whole chapter in the Bible. It's like 35 verses or something. So clearly, Jesus is not just concentrating on the physical. He's saying, no, let's look at the whole thing. Uh, you want to unpack that for us from, um, and this is from a different author. This is from Leslie uh, Gwynn Garrity. In seven verses, the gospel writer tells us that a man born blind is given sight. But after that, the narrator devotes 33 verses to the details of disagreement that swell after the healing takes place. I used to find this second part of the story tedious and exhausting. In a world with constant conflict, I'm tired of listening to endless bickering. However, this second half of the story makes me realize that this encounter is hardly about physical healing or literal blindness. It is about how harmful theology can prevent us from seeing people, truly seeing them. It's about how our narrow imagination can harden into accusation and blame. It's about how we can be threatened by new ideas or shifts in someone's identity. It's about how our doctrine can lead to exile. Ultimately, it's a story about our resistance to change. So this story, it's about so much more than just looking at someone as a physical specimen to be treated. The disciples come in, all right? They ask that great question. Uh, they, they say, hey, who, who sinned? Was, was it this guy who sinned and that's why he's blind or was it his parents? Not a good question, right? What, what is that? I mean, think about the assumptions, like, like all physical problems are because of moral issues. How do you feel about that? Right? What does that say about my co-pastor who's homesick? <laughs> right? I, I'm just saying, like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Um, but then throughout this passage, there all the, there's all this gaslighting where, like, the, the Pharisee, the religious leaders come to the parents and they're like, hey, what's going on with your son? They're like, hey, we don't, I don't know. No idea. Why don't you ask him? And then they ask him, but they, they, they don't listen to his response because they already have ideas about why he has a disability and, and what healing is supposed to look like. And there are all these questions, I mean, just back and forth and bickering and it's a mess. It's like our lives. 
And Jesus is inviting us into a, a more robust understanding of what it means to be human and what it means to be healthy. It's, it's a different approach. Jesus is actually trying to engage in conversation. Whereas you can see by the questions that people are asking, they want to exile those who are different. It's another community to marginalize. It makes me feel safer. Like, I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't want to have to think about it. And so I ask, even my questions are weaponized. And they, I mean, they use the Bible in here. There's all kinds of quotes from, you know, references to the Bible where they're, they're weaponizing the Bible against people. Again, to separate, to exile. And that's not where Jesus is at. So I, what I want us to do is we're gonna we're gonna take a breath we're gonna you know take a break break here um, before leaning into this last piece and we're gonna hear a story also um, and we're gonna look at a picture again so again there are a bunch of folks who this is your first time at City Church welcome we're glad you're here we've done this for a few weeks now on this on this journey towards Lent where we've partnered with a group called Sanctified Art, and they've been providing some really helpful images for us to think about. And so we have, uh, this is an image um, by that author. This is called Insight by uh, Reverend uh, Lisley Gwynn Garrity. And we're gonna take a few minutes and do what the, the church over the ages has done with art. The, through the ages, the church has valued art, although some people from a the Reformation on have said, oh, you can't do that because it's not the Bible. We can talk about that another time. But Christians through the ages have pictured these stories and it's helped them in their relationship with God. So this is a, a, a painting inspired by John chapter nine. And we're gonna take a minute and quiet. So what I, I'd like for you to do, just, just bear with me, and, and if you want, you can close your eyes and rest, but we're going to take a moment to kind of engage this process with this, with this man. So why don't you take a deep breath with me, and breathe it all the way out, and again. And now look, look at this painting. Let your eye move to the different parts and pay attention. What are the emotions that you associate with the different parts of this painting? And now just for a moment, close your eyes and, and ponder, is there one of those emotions or is there a piece of it that stood out that you can almost see or feel still now? What, what is that?
Now ask the Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, come. Speak with me about what I'm seeing and what is striking my heart. Amen. Thanks for taking a moment. Uh, again, trying to expand our hearts and souls, different practices to grow to know God better. That's just one of them. So, so I want to shift now and think about the idea of leaning into disability in particular as a way to learn more about God. Disability is a gift, a teacher and a blessing in scripture and in life, Amy Kenny. So the author spends a lot of time surveying people with disabilities in the scripture and showing how God uses them to teach the able-bodied folks and to demonstrate what the kingdom of God is really like. So often that's not the case in the church where we don't want to listen to the disabled community. And individually, it might feel frightening. And Amy Kenny is going to unpack this as to why and what we might learn. Are you able-bodied or are you just temporarily non-disabled? Everyone's physical ability is a temporary situation, and that frightens us. If you live long enough, your body will likely experience disability in one way or another. Are you any less worthy of dignity and respect in those moments when your body-mind functions differently than it once did? Do you bear less of God's image? The truth is that everyone's ability is a temporary condition. The more you learn to live in the company of disability, the more you can embrace it when it finally comes for you. That's not a threat, but a promise. Perhaps that's the real fear loitering beneath the discomfort with disabled people. The realization that you, too, will likely join us one day. We are the mirror you don't want to see. We embody the future that you're afraid to imagine. Maybe you should learn from us instead of casting us aside. We, the disabled, bear prophetic witness about what is true about the fragile human condition. If only the church would listen to us. Amy Kenny. It's not a threat. It's a promise that as we, people like me, grow older, we become increasingly disabled. Hearing loss, or we need to walk with a cane, or various other things that go on. And what if this is actually a gift, that the disabled community is a gift to learn how to be human now, not based on what we can produce, not, not based on our, our beauty or our success, but based on the fact that we are made in God's image. How, how do we learn that? We need some teachers. We need some teachers, and they are the prophetic ones who go before us and invite us to learn. 
Um, so I'm going to invite a teacher up who is not going to claim to be an expert, um, but uh, <laughs> but he's got a lot more wisdom than I do. So George Ramirez, if you would welcome up George. Come on down. Oh, he's going to steal your seat. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, come join me here. Uh, thank you, George, for being with us today. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. 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 It's a little, little wet, but you know, a little wet. Forever on. wet. Um, tell us, uh, how long have you been around City Church, and why did you show up here? Um, probably in 2018, 2019. I, yeah, I. My friends gave Nicole, um, they found City Church, and they were like, hey, we think you'd, you'd really like it here. So uh, so I've come with them every now and then when I when I get a chance. I live out in Azusa, so um, just, yeah. But what are you doing in Azusa? So I am I'm working on my master's in uh, clinical psychology, so I'll wrap that up in December. Oh. Uh, All right. Um, so this is Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month, March is, which I just learned, again, steep learning curve. Um, why is that significant for you? I think for me, um, I, I think when I was younger, it was kind of, I, I, I learned to celebrate it out of kind of insecurity, you know, um, just to kind of, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of want to get ahead of the curve. You want to make sure that you're aware before people kind of catch on to that. But I think now as an adult, um, I think of like, there's a lot of kids who have disabilities, you know what I mean? And I think it's important for, for someone like me to celebrate it so that they know that it's okay to have their disability, not necessarily saying that it's, it's great and amazing, but I think there is a lot to celebrate. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, and uh, so we talked just briefly about some of the dumb questions uh, that people ask in uh, this passage. Have, have people ever said, you know? No. Never. <laughs> um, people say things to you that maybe are not quite as helpful? Not at all. Um, no. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, specifically, like, within a church setting, it's it's always like, you know, can I pray for you? You know, if you if you believe hard enough, you know the Lord will the Lord will heal you. Um, which that sucks. That's like, you know, and and I get it. Like when when you don't, you, you can't be mad at ignorance, right? We talked a little bit about that, but I I think, yeah, it it's just like how, I I it, it's frustrating because it's like you want to teach them, but then you also want to sock them you know so it's like <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean um so that's i i got that a lot and it was kind of like you know if you if you believe hard enough or pray for healing or oh, like why don't you believe hard enough you know what i mean and it's like well that's not the right question to ask i think if you were to ask the right questions and you would know that like I, i've had an, a great amount of healing you know you're you're mm talking to somebody who was told that he would never walk, you know, I, I can walk, you know what I mean? Um, somebody, I was told that I, I wouldn't finish school, now I'm getting a master's, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, uh, you know, learn to ask the right questions. Come on now, come on now. 
Yeah, no, that's great. Are there questions that like you prefer people to ask when it comes to around disability? Um, are, are there ways that, I, I mean, I, I don't even know the right question to ask, yeah. which, but you know, when, when you engage in a, in a fruitful conversation, particularly like around disability, are there the sorts of questions that people are asking that are helpful or is there one good question or is it just an approach like yeah um i'm always a, a big proponent of like what have you learned you know um because i've learned a lot and i still have a lot to learn but i think if you phrase it in a way where it's like what have you learned what can i gain from you what what do you have to share as opposed to somebody asking something that may seem like, you know, um, just like, wh why do you want to know this information? You know, and I've gotten a lot of inappropriate questions like, you know, can you run? Can you do this? Can you do that? And it's, well, you know, some of that I don't mind sharing, but, it, you know, um, let's look at it more from like the perspective of like teaching. You know, I'm happy to teach you this so, or that. So, so tell us, like, like, What's something you've, like, what are some things that you have learned or are learning now um, that would be like, God, you think like, that's kind of cool. I think early on, um, I, I used to get like, man, you're such a huge inspiration. Um, that's kind of insulting. <laughs> uh, I know that now, I, I didn't always think of it that way as, as, as a younger individual. But I think when you, when you look at somebody who's disabled and you say like, man, you're such an inspiration, like, it, it's offensive because you what you're saying is essentially is i'm so glad i'm not you um and that just because it's you know you're inspired by me doing whatever it is that i have to do but that's like my tuesday you know what i mean so <laughs> so it's like okay cool I, I guess you'd rather just be a human yeah i'd rather just be a human a, a person you know um yeah um, in, in church settings, are there like, are there things in church settings that would be helpful for you, like ways that, that you meet Jesus or the way people in some ways prevent you from meeting Jesus? Uh, or maybe you have some experiences in churches where it's been, hey, this was really, this was really great, or this was maybe not so great. Um, and I think in, in church settings, it, it always is like, Again, same thing. You're an inspiration. I'll pray for you. I'm praying for you. You know, the Lord will heal, heal you kind of thing. Um, and I think, you know, so those are kind of the more like negative. I think um, more on the positive side is just letting me be me. You know what I mean? Um, and just being able to have conversation. So I, you know, I, I do appreciate when people are like, what is it that you have, you know, versus you have muscular dystrophy, right? No, it's, it's not muscular dystrophy. So I get that a lot too, where it's like, and then it's like some story about like, you know, somebody they knew five years ago that they met somewhere and like, you, you know them, right? No, I don't know <laughs> them. We, I'm, I think, I'm sure I've said that. It's not a club. It's, it's not a club. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, I wonder if it'd be more helpful to say, hey, would you, would you pray for me? As opposed to, hey, could I pray for you? <laughs> you know, like, maybe, like, just recognize, hey, you're a Christian, like, are you, like, you're, you're a Christian, right? Would you yeah. mind praying for me about something? Like, yeah. like, I don't, I don't need to fix you. Yeah. 
or or if you're gonna pray for me right let's 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 go beyond that let's pray for my education pray for finances i need more money you know um <laughs> kind of things like that you know not necessarily like my physical being or if you're gonna pray for me my physical being then pray for my overall health you know um let's let's not focus on the one aspect and you know kind of keep me in that box or just us i guess people with disabilities well, and, that, and that's so much what Jesus is doing in this situation, right? He ends up, he finds the guy later, has another conversation with him, and it's like, let's, let's be human together. Like, let's not ask these questions that are so condescending. Mm -hmm. uh, let me be involved in your life. And, and the guy asks Jesus some questions, and they have a, like a mutual conversation. Yeah. It's like, this is what spiritual growth looks like in community. Um, so... Do you have any questions for, for me? You don't have to, but uh, we, we did that last week and it was helpful, um, or a couple of people said it was. Uh, and you don't have to, but if, if you wanna ask a question, you can. Uh, yeah, so I'm just curious, um, have you met somebody with a disability where you've like had a preconceived notion and then after meeting them, that kind of shifted kind of your thoughts or what you thought you knew? Yeah, for sure um for sure there are a couple different situations i'll just share one but so in the last couple of years around city church we've had more folks i've been able to hear better the stories of people who are already sharing them about being neurodivergent mm -hmm. um and like particularly being on like the autism spectrum and a couple others and realizing like oh this is not what I thought it was. And what does it mean to, to listen and learn and, and just treat as human people? Whereas before I felt like, you know, there's more of what I see in this passage, like distancing, like trying to, you know, in some ways it's like, I want to give you a diagnosis so then I can categorize you as opposed to just going, well, no, this is, this is my friend, George. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to share or ask or nope uh, thanks for having me guys yeah hey th thank god for george you rock buddy thanks so much really appreciate that george so um i want to close out and thinking about this idea of better questions, and Amanda's going to read a, a final quote for us. I wonder what this story would look like had better questions been asked. What if his neighbors had instead asked the blind man, how do you feel? What if the man had asked the crowd, what are you afraid of? What if the Pharisees had asked one another, what if it's time to change? Reverend Leslie Gwynne Garrity. Let me just look at those questions for a second. What if we ask different questions wherever we are in the story? 